Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello, this is the EFL Freezer Crowd Podcast, where we take a light-hearted look at all things football league. You scumbaggy maggot, Matt Smith, Shirley Parrott. <laughs> <laughs> I'm James, lifelong Cov fan, and I'm joined each week by self-proclaimed Statman Luke and resident Millwall fan Andy. Gary Monk sacked after a, a nil-nil draw with Millwall as well. Although most <laughs> clubs in the football league would die for a result like that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be covering important news, a run through the games, and our all-important goal of the week. Yes. <laughs> Three-nil to the own goal. <laughs> so find us with a new episode each Monday on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You're listening to After Law, broadcasting from the beautiful South Berlin, except no subject. Well, hello, dear listeners. Welcome to another edition of our random fixture from the past series, courtesy of the random.org random number generator. And today's number that the, uh, the dead hand of the cold-eyed computer has generated is 1933-1933. Um, so we're going to go back to that era. We're going to look at a fixture that was played on the 18th of January, 1933. It was an FA Cup third round tie at the Den between Millwall and Reading. It finished in a one-all draw, dear listeners. And I do have a match report here. This is from the Daily Mirror. Um, Thrills at New Cross. Reading and Millwall drew one all after a thrilling game at New Cross, and they will meet again at Reading on Monday. Uh, replays back then took place very close to the original tie. I think we've lost something in, in the modern era in that way. I suppose replays themselves this season are no longer part of the game, are they, dear listeners? Uh, the report continues. The official attendance was 19,872, and oddly, by today's standards, they list the gate receipts which was £1,221. Millwall went twice, went close with shots by Hancock and Forsyth, but strong tackling and long passing by Reading often troubled the home team. Mellers in the, in the Reading goal made a fine left-handed save from Ivory and at the other end, a fine hot drive by Wilson was cleared by McPherson. A quarter of an hour after the interval, Mill pressed almost continuously, but good goalkeeping by Mellers prevented a score then five minutes later, Poxton for Millwall finished off a fierce Millwall attack with a hard shot into the corner of the net. 1-0 Millwall. However, as always at the den, dear listeners, there's a however, isn't there? A missed kick by Pipe, the Millwall left back, 10 minutes from the end. Put the ball past Wilson to give Reading an unexpected equaliser. In the closing minute, 
Reading went close. Palethorpe for Reading hit the mill upright. The post with Wilson beaten. So the Lions escaped that home FA Cup to have a one-all draw for a replay. A replay they'd actually go on to win, dear listeners. Um, played on the 23rd of January 1933. The replay at Elm Park. Finished 2 nil goals from Bloxham and Bond. Now, one thing that strikes me, I just looked at the team for this particular game. 1932-33 season, dear listeners. Um, a season, I, I have to confess, I do these programmes quite regularly now, and I don't know much about this particular squad, um, which was managed by the stalwart uh, manager, Bob Hunter, who had been with the club really since formation, pretty much on the Isle of Dogs in 18, uh, the 18, late 1880s, early 1890s. Uh, Bob Hunter's association began with Millwall. And he was managing um, this this season. The 1932-33 season would be a tragic one in Mill history because we had the the very Mill combination of coming so close to promotion to the top flight, which would have been for the first time. Uh, the architect would be the great man himself, Bob Hunter. Uh, but he would unfortunately pass away late in the season in March, which would lead to a tail-off in form, which would deny us the opportunity to get promotion to the top flight. And who knows where we would be today if that had happened. We don't know. But I'm going to come back to two names from this team. One is the manager, Bob Hunter, and the other is George Bond. But I'm going to read the team out first. Uh, Wilson in goal. Uh, the backs, Walsh and Pipe. The halfbacks, Newcomb, Hancock and Graham. Then the front line, five-man front line back in these times. I've listed this in the old two-three-five formation for you. Uh, Bloxham, Ivory, Bond, George Bond. I think it's Tom Forsyth and Poxton. Now, I will confess again, I don't know huge amounts about some of these players. So I'm going to try and rectify that over forthcoming shows. Um, but I've picked out George Bond um, as one name to look at. And I'll also want to look mention Bob Hunter, the manager, because he is a great name. Um, just to reiterate, this this season we were in the second division. We've been promoted from the third division as champions a couple of seasons before we finished this year seventh equal with Manchester United if you can believe it in the second division separated from them only by goal difference we were promotion contenders all season until the tragic passing of of uh, the manager Bob Hunter in March but the name of George Bond caught my eye because he was actually top scorer for this season and he was not a player that I have an awful lot of knowledge about amongst a team that I don't know much about so I did a little bit of research for George Albert Bond. Uh, born in February 1910, passed away in 1982 in, in Malta. He emigrated to Malta. Uh, he was an English professional footballer. The, the Wikipedia line, is there's not a huge amount of information on Wikipedia for George Bond. Um, beyond saying he was an English professional footballer playing for Millwall and Gillingham between 1931 and 36, making 69 appearances in the Football League before he emigrated to Malta. Um, which is a strange place to emigrate to, perhaps, or perhaps not, given that it would have been sunny and warm. And um, England back then might have been a, an economically depressed place to be, I suppose, as, a, as an ex-footballer. But I did find a great um, obituary uh, on the Times of Malta website and a picture, which I'll put out with this particular show of George Bond. As I say, top scorer for the Lions in a season where we came close very close to promotion but this is the obituary for George after he emigrated to um, Malta he played for Floriana Floriana Tigers FC and Slima Wanderers in in the Maltese 
leagues. Um, just read the obituary. Between the two world wars, Floriana uh, dominated Maltese football with their all-time rivals, Slima Wanderers. They're, they're great rivals. But it, always seemed, it seemed they always found it difficult to find a reliable centre-forward until the arrival of George Bond. He arrived in Malta in July 1936 um, via a steamer from Sicily, um, along with a, a centre-half called Vickers a fullback called Dunn and an inside left called Harold Herbert, son of the great Floriana star Jack Herbert. So I'm wondering whether Harold's influence took George to Malta. Um, Bond immediately settled down in Floriana, adding the punch, which was so badly needed in the Greens front line, winning at the championship in, in his first season out there in, in Malta. Uh, he'd also go on to give first-class performances in tournaments featuring teams including SK Hungary, Hungaria, and Rapid Vienna. Um, he also helped Floriana win the Kassar Cup, which must have been a local tournament, beating Hibs. Now, I don't know if that's the Scottish Hibs. I wouldn't have thought so. Or it may be Hibernians of Malta. I think there's a team called Hibernians based in Malta, 7-0. So I'm going to guess that would be local Hibernians rather than the Edinburgh side. In 1938-39, Floriana were disbanded and George Bond joined Slema Wanderers and he would have seen out the wartime years on the island of Malta, which was bombarded pretty much relentlessly by the uh, the German forces, uh, Malta featuring as a major Royal Naval base for the Mediterranean fleet uh, and, a, and a major stopping point for the North African campaign. It won the George Cross as a nation um, for its contribution to the war effort, and the Maltese flag features a depiction of the George Cross for its heroics during the Second World War. And George Bond would have been on the island for that period. He died in 1982, um, believed to be still living on the island. The The article here couldn't find him. There are a number of Bonds living in Malta, but they weren't able to track him down. League champion in Malta with Floriana and Slima Wanderers, as well as various other trophies out there. And Mill's top scorer in the heartbreaking season of 1932-33. Now, despite exiting the FA Cup in the fourth round against Aldershot, the Lions would be in the mix for promotion. And as late as late February, the first week of March, Millwall were placed fourth in the second division. Two teams were promoted in those days to the top flight, so they, they were very much in the mix. They went to Manchester United. Sorry, they beat Manchester United at home 2-0 in front of 22,500 at the Den only to lose form dramatically with the the passing of our great manager, Bob Hunter. Now, I've mentioned Bob Hunter previously on these shows, and I make no apology to mention him again, because he is one of the great names of the club, and I would make strong arguments for a stand or some part of the den to be named after him because of his contribution to the formative years of the club on the island. And his, you know, his ability to find players. And George Bond probably is a good example of his ability to find lesser known players and bring the very best out of them. When you look at George Bond's record, top scorer, I'll say it again in this season, scored 17 goals in 32-33 uh, alongside for Saif, who scored 15 goals. Um, he had no great track record in the game, Redhill and Northfleet. Then Millwall, where he scores 17 goals in this, this this standout season. And then he fades away when pretty much when Bob Hunter, it seems, passes. So his career tailed away to Gillingham and then on to Malta. Now, I know he's achieved success in Malta, and I'm not going to knock Maltese football. But 
there was a difference in level, I think, even, you know, even to this day with honours achieved in the English football leagues as against um, in the Maltese division. I hope I'm not offending anyone by saying that, but I think that's just a fact of life. Um, so George Bond was a great example of Bob Hunter's abilities to spot and find and polish what we now call diamonds in the rough, I suppose. Um, as I say, Redhill, Northfleet, Gillingham and Malta, and then one standout season, speaks volumes for the managerial abilities of, of the great man. Now, I like to try and make some notes myself when I do these shows and produce you know, some, some form of original content for your, hopefully for your entertainment and possibly, um, you know, information. But I've decided on this occasion that um, I want to make a slight tribute to Bob Hunter. We've mentioned George Bond, one of his protégés, but I'm going to mention uh, Bob Hunter. Now I'm going to read a section, if I may, if you'll indulge me, dear listener, from the great James Murray book, uh, Lions of the South, which concerns Bob Hunter. And I think it's a fitting tribute to the, to the great men. Now, Hunter, age 72, incidentally, had fallen ill earlier on in the season. And at one point, the uh, the management responsibilities fell to the trainers, Dick Jones and another great character, Tiny Joyce, um, who took the, the responsibility of, of training and managing the side whilst Bob was, um, was ill. He did pass away in March in Greenwich Hospital. Um, and I'm going to read the... The club's official statement and the short section from the, the James Murray book. So the club's official statement said it all, as as, uh, as James puts it here. It is with profound regret that we announce the death of Mr. Bob Hunter, who has been manager of the Lions for many years and was formerly trainer of the club. Although Mr. Hunter was officially connected with Millwall FC for a period of nearly 40 years, a magnificent testimony to his sterling ability and loyal service, Millwall and Bob Hunter were so closely linked together that to think of one without the other was well nigh impossible. The welfare of the Lions was his one and only concern. Nothing else really mattered. Literally speaking, he lived for the club and his demise has snapped a link which can never be mended. We should always think well of Bob and his memory will be with us long after his mortal remains have been laid to rest. R.I.P. I'm going to read a little paragraph or two from Lions of the South. Fittingly and typically, Bob Hunter's uh, funeral cortege began not from his residential home in Wemis Road in Blackheath, but what he regarded as as his real home, the Den. On the 3rd of April, it left Colblow Lane at 11am and was buried in Brockley Cemetery half an hour later. Was it just coincidence that Mill failed to win another game all season? Perhaps so. Yet it could not be denied that the club had suffered a terrible blow. He may have been 72 while still in charge of the Lions, and much of the current season, 1932-33 season's playing success, was attributable to the underemployed talent of Jones. Moreover, the crowd had been known to give him some stick, Bob Hunter. But Hunter's success must be measured against the money the directors were prepared to put into strengthening the team. Compared with most clubs of Mills' class, it was not a great deal. Bob Hunter had been a remarkable manager, a kind yet firm, confident yet a little shy man of govern. He had spent a lifetime in sport. He was a son of a baker, which probably accounts for his business sense, and he spent a couple of years living near Dublin, when he was, where he was schooled until he was 10. His family then returned to Scotland, where he helped his father. Bob Hunter's passion was for athletics, and beginning with the success in the mile, he ended up winning most of the running events of the Highland Games that he, that he entered. One of his proudest photographs was of him holding a £100 note made up by the bank from, the, from his track winnings. 
He later became trainer, secretary and manager of Montrose as his attention turned to football, occasionally even kicking the leather ball himself and supplementing his income by setting up his own diorama business, and it, which was an illuminated, um, an illuminated show of, of sorts and organised concerts. So he's a man of many talents. On Christmas Day in Montrose, he brought to the stage for one of his first appearances a little-known jokester, Builders, a comic titbit. His name was Harry Lauder, who became a major star of the musical. Soon after, Hunter was to make the migration south to begin a historic 36-year association with Millwall, responding to their SOS following the death of their manager at the time, Bill Lindsay. During his early days, he continued to train Britain's top runners and used his fame to good effect in bringing Scottish players southwards. North of the border, Bob Hunter was a famous name and known throughout as the Wee or Little Wonder. Throughout his career at Millwall, this, sh- this small, genial chap never lost his thick, occasionally unintelligible Scottish burr. His shyness could be seen in every photograph ever taken of him. He was self-conscious of a glass left eye and always stood to the right of the team group looking towards the players rather than the camera. Yet through his one good eye, Hunter spotted more talented players than any other mill manager before or since. Perhaps he was not as tactically astute or, or as aware as, as other managers, but taking into account the strict financial parameters in which he was bound, the teetotal, non-smoking Robert Hunter was a football great, a Millwall great too. I think those words are a fantastic summary of Bob Hunter, Mill manager, to his death in, in 1933. There we are, dear listeners. I hope you've enjoyed this shortened edition. Um, Millwall won Reading 1 in 1933. We'd go on to... Beat Reading in the in the replay two nil and then um, go out of the competition to one nil at the end of the month on the twenty eighth of January. Um, George Bond, centre forward, top scorer for the season nineteen ten to nineteen eighty two, uh, sixty four appearances for the Lions between nineteen thirty one and thirty four, so, uh, twenty four goals, courtesy of Richard Lindsay's complete record, and the tribute to a uh, Millwall great Bob Hunter was a reading from Lions of the South by James Murray. Huge thank you to both of those gentlemen for their their fantastic works there you are dear listeners i hope you've enjoyed this shortened show um until the next edition it's uh arriva dirty millwall bye for now thank you for listening to after millwall if you enjoyed the show please head over to apple podcast and leave us a cheeky review till next time Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. 
Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.